Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I'm super excited to have Tanya on the podcast. I'm not going to pronounce her last name because I will probably butcher it, but she is a three times best-selling author, mindset, and empowerment coach for women with PCOS. She's the founder of the Holistic Warrior Life Company um, and host of the Holistic Warrior Life podcast and the PCOS Thrive Collective. So she has a lot going on. She's also a mom to an adorable little boy and wife to a kick-ass husband and lives in Ontario. So I am super excited for this episode because it's about a topic that a lot of people overlook when it comes to PCOS and we don't really talk about, but it's a big struggle. Everything coming to mindset um, and really overcoming PCOS using you know, mindful techniques and actually looking at the brain and our thoughts and our emotions. So really, really excited to dive into this. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you, Laurence. I'm so excited to be here. I cannot wait to dive further. So thank you for having me on the show. Of course. I know that this is like a huge topic and you are an expert in this. So I'm really excited to share. First, before we get into the nitty gritty, I'd love for you to share your story specifically with PCOS, like how you found out about it and maybe like how you got through it, etc. Yeah, of course. So I personally, like now, when I look back on it, I feel like I might have always had the genetics for PCOS, like the markers. And the reason I say that is because at 13 years old, when I got my period, I also got a hair, a little tiny hair that says hello on my chin. Um, (laughs) So you can imagine as a girl, like we're already at that awkward teen stage in our life and we're navigating our periods and now I have this hair. I was like, what the heck? Right. Um, Back then I was, I was living in Dubai in the Middle East and my mom took me to a OBGYN there. Um, I was 13, of course. They prescribed the birth control pill to me. She said, regulate her periods. You know, it'll help her become more regular. It'll help with the hair. It'll I'm also already help. cringing right now. I know, I know, I know. It'll help with the weight. Um, I, was, I was never obese, but I was always on the slightly chubbier side, even as a kid. Um, And I was okay with it. I was never conscious about my body until my family literally would comment like, oh, you look very healthy or you have extra cushion. You know, when you get married, the husband won't mind that. And I'm like, I'm 13. Like, what the heck? Right. Um, There was a lot happening. Um, You know, my childhood was very dysfunctional, far from perfect, like what is perfect. Um, My parents were going through their own turmoil. There was physical, mental, emotional abuse going on, but then you grow through it and then you see different things. And then I lived away from my parents at the age of 10. I went to boarding school. So I was in a completely different country. I got my period in boarding school. So I was navigating that all alone um, with other girls who were obviously going through it with me. Uh, My periods were about on a good day, they would be like, eight days on a really bad day it would be like a 14 day period it was painful it was embarrassing yeah it was it was embarrassing so by the time I got out of boarding school and I went back to Dubai to stay with my parents this was before we could move to Canada my mom literally took me to her OBGYN who then prescribed me the pills I hate taking pills I hate taking any sort of medication. That's just how I've been as a child. 
Uh, vitamins had to be shoved down my throat. But if you give me juices, I would have those. Um, it's funny, right? Like life takes us, we already have the path there. Um, yeah, I didn't take the pill. I took it for maybe like a day or two. And I felt hysterical at that time at 13. Your hormones, your emotions are already too much for you at that age. And then you put something else that's not even natural or shouldn't even be ingested. I'm saying this now in hindsight. Um, I didn't like it, so I just stopped taking it. And then I thought, that's my lot in life. I just have to deal with it. Maybe I just got the hairy genes from the family. Like, I don't know. Like, most brown people likely have this. I thought it was normal. You know, the nitty gritty and the short of it, I thought it was normal. I didn't even know that I had PCOS. Um, Fast forward to being in Canada, things just got super bad at home. My parents went their separate way. And I, from the age of 14, threw myself into... I channeled all of my angst and anxiety and emotional pain into working a job after school, um, throwing myself into activities, sometimes working two jobs. And then, of course, I moved away to university. But you see, like the, the stress pattern was already there. And then the overdoing it was already there. I just thought that was my normal because I didn't know what else to do. Um, in university, by the time I think I was in my third year, I, already, I gained so much weight. Um, that year I had skin tags. I had the HS, um, on my inner thighs. Like for those of you listening, HS is, I'm probably going to butcher this, but here in superativa, um, it can be very painful. It looks like pimples and rash, but it's, it can be very, very painful. Um, I had the cystic acne all over, um, likely on my jawline, on my chin, um, sometimes on my chest, sometimes on my nose and forehead. It was just, I felt very disconnected from my body. Um, once a month, every for a week to two weeks, I would just be the stranger. Um, I gained close to 30 or 40 pounds. Um, the university lifestyle wasn't helping because you eat, sleep, party, and you drink. Um, alcohol was rampant in my life at that time. I would drown out <laughs> my feelings. I would drown out and I would numb out my emotions with food. I would numb it out with basically just partying and surrounding myself with people where I needed to feel like I'm enough. I needed to be validated. But I didn't realize that that was actually doing me more harm than good. Um, about the last year before I graduated, I had this crisis. Like this was my third year. I gained all that weight. That Christmas, I was the heaviest that I probably have been. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with people's body types. Like I want to dispel that myth for me. I just felt like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Like, how do I look this way? Why do I feel this way? Something doesn't feel right internally. I always felt bloated. Um, I would tell my family, I feel bloated when I'm, I get bloated when I'm stressed out, but people would laugh at me and tell me, oh, you know, you just need to exercise more or you just need to diet. Maybe go starve. Like it'll help you. Maybe go fast. Um, how about you try the Dukin diet? How about you do the cabbage soup diet? Or how about you do Weight Watchers? Like I would get all these things said to me and part of me would be like, but don't you guys get it? Like I'm already doing these things. I can't lose the weight. I don't know why I have all this hair all over me. I don't know why my body doesn't want to work with me. Like I don't get it. I would fix it if I could. Um, I still didn't know that I had PCOS. Um, I didn't pay attention to my periods at the time. If it showed up, I'd be like, yay. If it didn't, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm stressed out. It'll come up next month. And likely enough, it would happen. My fourth year, I already moved. I started eliminating gluten and dairy um, without knowing that I can't have it and my body can't tolerate it. 
I lost that weight within like six months. However, I don't think my hormones at that time were balanced because I was still doing the sleepless nights and work overnights and eat and drink and do whatever, right? Although by this time I'd gotten into yoga. Graduated school, same thing followed. So the same patterns kept following because I wasn't changing the patterns. And I ended up in the hospital in the ER towards the end of my year that I graduated. So 2012, by November, I ended up in the hospital in the ER. I felt like someone was literally twisting my insides. I felt like something bad was happening. I left work, probably shouldn't have been driving to the hospital, but I did. Got there in one piece, checked in at 3 p.m. Nobody knew what was going on with me. Morphine wouldn't even numb out the freaking pain. And I usually have a high pain threshold. By about 11 o'clock midnight, um, they discovered that I have a twisted ovary and that I need to go into surgery. The next day in recovery, my OBGYN comes to me and lets me know, Tanya, you have a condition that's called PCOS. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I was 23 at this time, very happily single. Like I just graduated that year doing my thing, you know, finding my place in the world. Um, I didn't know what this was. I didn't know anyone with it. I didn't know how to even get through it. So my parents were there with me and I asked the doctor, how does one treat this? Like, can it go away? Like, how long does it take? And he was like, well, this isn't something that could be treated. One in 10 women have it. Um, your chances of conceiving naturally are one in 50. You can st- it's not hard to get pregnant with PCOS. It's just a lot more challenging. But we also have the fertility drugs and the IVF and all of that. Um, you know, even with that, your chances of having a baby are slim. But we can definitely go that route when you're ready to try for kids. I was like, okay. I'm like, that's fine. But how else can I ensure that I set myself up? He's like, oh, just go lose the weight and, you know, eat healthy. And I'm like, but what does that mean, right? No one was telling me how or the specifics, but everyone was just like, go lose the weight, go eat a certain way. And I looked at him and I'm like, you know what? He pres- Oh, yeah, he prescribed me metformin, spirolactone, I can't pronounce that, and the birth control pill. Yeah, so he prescribed all those three to me. And I'm like, nope, not taking them. I was like, I appreciate you. I'm grateful that, you know, you were able to save my ovaries and all of that. I'm not taking them. Give me six months. Let me try my way. If it doesn't work, I will come back to you. But for now, I'm going to go and see if there's a natural way to basically manage this and thrive. And we'll talk. (laughs) So I did that. And yeah, in my two weeks of recovering, that's when I was literally Googling. Google was my best friend. Like we ate, slept, did everything together. <laughs> like I found my naturopath that way and my acupuncturist. And it was there that I finally felt like they heard me. And the first thing they asked me, I literally walk in and I'm like, I have PCOS. I read that you help women with this. Help me. Like I'm here. Teach me what to do. And she was like, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about your childhood. Let's talk about your teenage years. Let's talk about university. Let's talk about your mental health. Let's talk about your emotional health. And meanwhile, I'm there. I'm like, what? Like, why do you want to know all of that stuff? Like, I'm just asking you for cure for this illness. And then she, that was my first brush with like the natural, you know, uh, modalities of treating things. And she's like, well, everything is a symptom that manifests itself when you aren't healed internally and yes there's genetics all of that plays a role in it but you got to have a holistic lifestyle and that's when I dove deep and I haven't looked back in I haven't looked back since then 
Um, six months later, I went for my checkup because they wanted to monitor me at the hospital. And the doctors and nurses were like, well, you don't have any cysts. Like, how is that possible? And the hair growth, all of that reduced because I was on this protocol that she put me um, to eat healthy in a way that works for me. I had 15 supplements. I know for someone that doesn't like taking pills, I had to take 15 supplements and herbs and, you know, the homeopathic stuff because that's how bad it had gotten for my body, right? It didn't happen overnight. It was a culmination of every single moving piece in my life. So it would take time to reverse it or even manage it, right? She said, if you stick with it and if you show up for yourself, you can thrive. It'll take about three to nine months, but you can still do it. Some people, it'll be quicker, but we'll still continue to work with you. And I've been working with them ever since. And now I barely see them, but they're, they've been a huge support system for me. Amazing. So, so I yeah. have so much to say about <laughs> this. But I think, first of all, um, kind of when you get a diagnosis and you are first you know, told things like about infertility, basically mm-hmm. the first thing you're told is, okay, have good luck having kids and lose some weight. For me, mm-hmm. it was good luck having kids because I've never really had yeah Um, weight like a lot of weight gain because I'm more of a lean PCOS um but infertility was the first thing like yeah it's going to be really tough etc um first of all what do you think of this method of diagnosis let's say because like for me what I see what I what what I saw with myself and my clients is they come to me and they are so distraught and they're you know unmotivated and they already think that they're broken and there's nothing they can Mm -hmm. do you know, like it's already telling you that, oh yeah, good luck. This is going to be really tough. There's not much you can do. So it's already bashing the mindset and the kind of motivation. What was your experience with that? Um, For me, like, I think it depends on each personality too. Like I've always been the type of personality. I've been that kid that questions everything. It's annoying. I know. Like ask my spouse, ask my family. I, I will never take anything at status quo. Like I will be that person that asks, why do we do it this way? Is there another way to do it? So I think it depends on the personality, but more than anything, that way of diagnosing and that method of relaying the message, it can be very isolating because you don't know what's going on in this person's life. You don't know what battles they're facing emotionally or mentally, be it in their personal life, their relationships, you don't know. And then when you get a diagnosis like that, that's like, oh yeah, good luck having kids. You can, you can try, but I just want to tell you, I just want to be realistic. It's going to be hard. Like, oh my gosh, that is so demotivating. It's demoralizing. It, if you already suffer and struggle with low self-esteem, confidence issues, self-worth, which all of which I struggled with, and some days I still do, I'm just a lot better at catching it and flipping that script now, um, it can demean you. You know, it really can demean you. And then add to that, if you don't have a strong support system around you, that's kind of like, okay, we can work through this together. Like, you know, you don't have to listen to those one doctor. We'll go and look at other options. If you have people that are just like doctors are Bible, allopathic medicine is Bible. That's it. Um, I don't like, it's sad. It breaks my heart because I have seen people in my life that literally just only swear by the allopathic route 
And there I am. I'm like, you could have cured this or like pretty much managed it and been in remission had you gone the alternative with the alternative holistic modalities. Yeah, but your actually... body and your cells are listening to that energy that is saying, you are not enough. Good luck trying, but you're not going to get there. So it's kind of like one step in and two feet back, if that makes sense. It's totally. the one step, two step yep. I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, you got to go all in. Your body pays attention to this shit even when you don't realize it. And like I'm living proof of that. So yeah, and I mean thoughts and emotions are messengers in the body, right? So and we don't even course. think about that. Like even if you're thinking negative thoughts all day, like you can feel mm-hmm. a difference versus when you're thinking mm-hmm. positive thoughts. So how do you think that is actually, you know, manifest manifesting inside of your body? That's a big big point. Um, but another thing, I was actually surprised because a lot of the time when we're you know told by doctors to do something, we just follow it. You know, it's like yeah. holy grail or whatever. For you, it was totally like no. Uh, for me as well. <laughs> I was like, no thanks. Um, but it does take a lot of guts and courage to do that too, because a lot of the time, obviously it depends on the doctor, but a lot of them are not open-minded and they kind of look at you like you're crazy or, you know, some of them are very rude even. Like I've heard Mm -hmm. lots of different stories. Um, But yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do that too. And a lot of guts because you also don't really know what you're doing, but you have this kind of faith that you will, you know, figure it out. So for you, it seemed like you had a good experience with doctors and you were able to find someone who could help you right away. But for me and a lot of other people, it does take a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, Was it easy for you to kind of search online and find someone? Honestly, it was really hard to find a naturopath because there's so many, right? But then it's like, who do you go to? Like, how do you decide who do you go to, right? Um, that part to me is like, okay, I, I'm, if I'm going to be paying you for your services and I'm going to invest in my health, I want to make sure that A, the vibe and the energy and we jive together and you truly hear what I'm trying to say and the things that I'm not saying. And so when I went to my clinic or like the clinic that was treating me, um, they were just so receptive and welcoming and it was just a consultation, right? But that consultation was, it was supposed to be an hour, hour and a half, but we were there for like almost two hours and they didn't rush it. They were like, you know, we just want you to, we want you to be happy. Like we have a lot of, we have a high success rate of helping women with PCOS, with endometriosis, with all the hormonal health issues, right? For women. Um, And she's like, it works as long as you show up for yourself. And that kind of, I don't know, it struck a chord in me that day. And she said, it's not going to be easy. You're going to go off protocol. You're human. But give yourself that grace. And we're here to support you. You know, um, you always have to come back to your plan or like you come back to your blueprint. So, yeah. So for you, yeah, it was... I guess you were lucky in a sense to find, you know, a good practice of doctors because yeah. yeah, it can take a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, definitely working with functional medicine doctors, naturopathic doctors, really look at the root cause is something that I usually, you know, really recommend um, because, you know, they know they're going to actually look at the testing and all of that and actually look at the whole picture yes. and the underlying imbalances instead of just, you know, slapping on a Band-Aid, which we know doesn't work. Yep. <laughs> um, so how how would you recommend for people whether in your area or you know in north america or wherever they are to find the right practitioner for them do you have any tips on that yeah absolutely i mean when i when i got diagnosed with this this is 2012 like i feel like there's a little bit more pcos awareness now totally. like in present day 
But back then, it was still very new. I I was Googling, and then I would call them, and I would speak to them. I would also ask around. So the place that I worked at at the time, some of my colleagues, um, some of the women would go to their naturopath. So I would ask them, you know, do you know of any naturopath, or can you refer me to someone? And then I started joining these groups um, on Facebook, the giant PCOS groups that are there. So it depends. Again, I find a lot of those groups can get negative because of the amount of cynicism that happens but there's also people that uplift you right so I would just post I'm like I just got my diagnosis like what do I do where do I go oh by the way I don't want to take all of those prescription drugs I want to go the natural route where do I start and everyone would say just go to a naturopath but you know make sure that they're the right fit for you so put a put a post out online ask your family doctor um, if they can refer you to a naturopath you don't need, if you don't want to disclose too much to your family doctor, that's okay. You don't have to. It's your prerogative. Just tell them, I would like to see a naturopath for certain things. Um, can you point me in the direction of one? Like my family doctor and my naturopath worked together. My OBGYN and my naturopath worked together while I was pregnant. Like I would go to my naturopath. I wouldn't go to my family doctor first. Those would be the people that it's like, okay, here's my stuff on a need to know basis. But I heavily rely on my naturopath for the most part. Um, I do think you need a mix of both. You can't always rely on one. You do need the allopathic stuff for the surgical and for the immediate removal of certain things. So there is value there, but I don't think you should rely on that as the only way to treat yourself for the long term. You know, like you got to have that holistic perspective on things. A hundred percent. I think that acute care is definitely allopathic specialization. But yeah. chronic care should definitely, everyone should be sent to a naturopath, you know, it's Absolutely. no question. Um, but I totally think as well that working together, whether it be nutritionist, dietitian, doctor, um, herbalist, chiropractor, whatever it is, the more you work together, the more you can fit the pieces together, right? So I yep. think it's a little bit... <sighs> What's the word? Not very constructive, I guess, or... It's, you know what? You just have to, like, you have to be able to advocate for yourself, right? You Like, it all boils down to, am I okay with this diagnosis? No, I'm not okay. No one ever is okay. Okay, so am I going, am I willing to go out on a limb for myself? And am I willing to bet on myself? Like, what my perspective with anything in life is, what is the worst that can happen? Like, what is yeah, like the worst? Lee. She says that a lot. Yeah, like, literally, my, when I was, and you know, this struck a chord with me because when I was younger, I'd get in trouble for coming home late with curfew, blah, blah, blah. Um, meanwhile, some of my friends would stress out, oh, no, we got to go home. We got to go home. We can't stay up late. And we're already late. And I'm like, guys, you're going to get yelled at anyways, or you're going to get in trouble anyways. Just freaking enjoy the time that you're outside. <laughs> like, stop stressing about it. And it'll be fine. Like that, that's kind of how I approach a lot of things because worrying is not going to change your outcome or speed it up or I don't know, delay it. You know what I mean? Like 100% it, it's it's like away that. from that energy of, that you have that you can focus on a solution. Yeah. So, it's like that quote that says worrying is just going through the situation twice. And sometimes the situation doesn't even come up. Right. So I know 100% agree. And another thing that you kind of brought up is that advocating for yourself is so important but a lot of us can become intimidated I guess or Mm -hmm. you know maybe like just because we don't know anything about PCOS like we shouldn't speak up but if you feel like something is wrong with your body or something is not right you don't want to take something or go this route um you know go with that feeling because it's your body and another thing that you mentioned was you know people 
saying that it's normal? Are you thinking that it was normal to have, you know, the symptoms that you're experiencing? Um, but even things like PMS, people are just like, yeah, it's normal. I just got to write mm -hmm. it out, suck it up every month. But yeah, no. not normal. <laughs> and I really not. want people to, you know, I want to hit that message home that if you don't feel good in your body, then it's a message and yep. we are all made to feel good. So definitely stand up for yourself and, you know, make it happen because you have the right to actually feel good in your body. And I think a lot of people forget about that. Of course. And something that I always coach my clients with is like, stop saying why me or like, when is this going to happen and start asking like, why not me? Like, why, why is this not possible for me? Of course I can do it. So, or like, of course it's going to be possible for me. So why not me? Like I deserve this more than anyone. Um, I deserve to be loved. I, I'm worthy of this. And that's where the worth and mindset and all of that comes in place, right? Because you could be sipping on, I, I see this on Instagram all the time. It's that little post that goes around. Like you can have all the kale juices and chant all yeah. the mantras and have all the beads and crystals and all the spirituality and everything, do everything right. But if you don't have the right intention, so your heart, and if you don't have the right mental state of mind or that drive to kind of see it through to bet on yourself to you know no matter what no matter how long it takes I'm still gonna be my number one champion because if no one else champions me who the hell is gonna do that like you gotta champion it's yourself your first, right so when yeah. you have those things in line then everything works it, it's you know all these other things like the protein shakes and like the juices and the gym and those are all like tools to help you get better but the real work starts from within like literally your entire system your parasympathetic system which is which regulates all of your emotions like your hypothalamus and your vagus nerve is connected to your heart which is then connected to your uterus and your womb and your ovulation and it's like if you're not freaking happy you're not your body isn't going to ovulate you're not gonna you know you'll ovulate or and maybe you'll conceive but you're not going to see that through your body will try to push it out because it's thinking, I don't want this right now. I don't want this right now. Right. So thoughts and emotions are so powerful. And a lot of people, and I think in society, we live in this culture of drown it out, numb it out. I did it for so long. But, you know, yeah. I want to talk about that because I did that too. And I think, yeah. you know, falling into the unworthiness and I'm not good enough and et cetera. Um, and I mean, there is a huge emotional component with PCOS, not just yeah. because the diagnosis is difficult and you have all of these symptoms that are, you know, terrible, but also because of the imbalances, like with the gut and blood sugar imbalances yeah. and inflammation, it all does cause, um, an increased risk for anxiety and depression, et cetera. So it is no, it's not very surprising that eating disorders are, more common with PCOS women as well yeah. and that's you know just a coping mechanism so you know a numbing emotional pain with food or alcohol or whatever it is um, is very very common and it's hard to get out of that cycle because you're just accustomed to it your body just needs that comfort mm -hmm. right so how do we really get out of that vicious cycle so that's a very good question. I'm glad that you asked that because one of the tools that I slowly, like, I mean, I started becoming a little bit more mindful by the time I, you know, started going gluten and dairy free in, in university that year. And like, when I started doing yoga, I started asking myself these questions. What am I feeling right now? Like when that urge to eat this is coming, it's more like, okay, where, what emotion am I trying to satisfy? Like, what is it that I really, really, really need right now? You know, why am I craving? Because it's a comfort thing. You're right. It's like a safety blanket. Why am I craving that? I don't know, that tub of ice cream, right? Or why am I, why do I want to go out and 
you know, binge drink or like, why do I want to eat in a bathroom? Like I used to do that. I used to go hide away and eat in secret. I didn't want people to see me eating because I thought they, they're going to just make fun of me more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, or I just wouldn't eat period. Um, it would just, and eventually my naturopath and everyone started ask, told me, ask yourself these three questions. Where's this emotion coming from? What is this emotion trying to tell me? What is it that I absolutely need right now? Like, how can I be there for myself right now? You know, if it's needing a friend, if it is, you know, just maybe taking some time to rest or go relax, do something else, like flip that script. If you're going to go party out night and you know it doesn't help you, flip the script, hang in, you know, call a friend or two over, watch a movie, have some girl talk. I don't know, right? Do something else. Those are tools that help me. Um, that was my first step into flipping that dialogue for myself. And then over the years, I've just gotten better and better at sitting with it as opposed to reaching for some sense of like, oh, I need the chips right now or oh, I need the sugars right now. Like sugar was the hardest thing for me to give up. When I made my lifestyle change, I love dessert. Like, oh my God, <laughs> I love dessert. Um, but now I can look at a table full of sweets and I'm like, okay, it's there. I see it looks delicious. I don't need to eat it. I don't want it. (laughs) If I want it, I will take a small bite. But if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to, right? But to get to this point, it was a lot of why am I craving sugar? What part of my body needs this? Where is this coming from? You know, what, like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know how else to say that more succinctly, but yeah. I love the questions that you put out there too, because those are really powerful. And that's kind of a lot of stuff that I bring up now too. It's like, what do you really want? And if you want a food, like, are, do you really want this or are you yeah. going to feel worse afterwards? You know, like yeah. those are good questions. Um, and then, I mean, it can be very difficult forgiving yourself after going through yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but how, how did you find like the confidence after kind of going through diagnosis because a lot of people find that, you know, they're broken or whatever and they're, you know, it's very negative and you feel like you have this whole mountain to climb. So obviously turning to, you know, external factors to kind of help comfort yourself as we just talked about is usually a first um, reaction. Yeah. So we have to do the inner work, right? Yes. hundred percent. You know, to say that I did this all by myself would be a lie. Um, I didn't do this all by myself. Like, yes, the healing and the growth internally, as much as everyone around me helped me, like, yes, that drive to do that was all me, but it wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the support of my spouse. Um, We were just dating at that time. He has been, like, I think he knows more about PCOS than I do some days. Yeah, you were telling me that he was researching <laughs> everything, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I met him. It's it's so funny. Like, I this is the breadcrumbs and the divine thing path that I talk to people about all the time. Um, I was single when I got my diagnosis. Two weeks later, I ended up meeting my spouse. Like, I'd met him before, but we really got to talking to each other while I was home in recovery. I was like, okay, I'm bored. Like, let's make a new friend and get to know each other. <laughs> we met. He was the first person I saw when I was able to just get outside and see people. And I was very straightforward with him. I'm like, look, I am looking for a serious relationship. When we get married is a different story, but I definitely want something for the long haul. But this is what I have. I just got this diagnosis. This is me, all of me. Take it or leave it. If you're not okay with it, that's okay. Like, we'll still be friends. No hard feelings. 
but it's been history ever since. So, he, yeah, like, he was like, well, he's like, are you willing to fight for it? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, are you willing to fight for yourself? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, it, it doesn't mean I won't falter. It doesn't mean I won't fall down or it doesn't mean I won't fail, you know, but are you willing to be in those trenches with me? And he was like, yep, 100%. And he has been my advocate, like the biggest advocate, not even my family. It was this person I met who didn't know me at all, who was advocating for me. Um, when I didn't have the strength to say no to people at galas or like get togethers with friends or even with my family, when people are like, oh, just have a bite. You know, it's not going to hurt you. Just have a bite. He'd literally stop them and say, if she was a diabetic, would you be asking her to have this thing of sugar or alcohol? No. Then why are you doing that right now? That like so she's not, powerful. you know, she, he's like, it's just as much poisonous for her right now than if she were a diabetic, right? So if she is trying to change her life, if she's choosing health for herself, why are you hindering her? You know, and he would be that person, like he would come across as bad cop. And he would tell me, I don't care if I come across as bad cop, like you take the time you need, I will advocate for you. And he, when I wasn't strong, at my strongest, he advocated for me. My best friends advocated for me, you know, in the sense that they would make paleo or like just wholesome meals. So no dairy, no gluten, no sugars. They would look up alternative ways to bake treats and stuff for me. Um, my boyfriend's mom, like my mother-in-law now, um, she, oh my gosh, his family was so wonderful. They would literally have the wild rice and the buckwheat and the amaranth and the gluten-free treats and the sugar-free stuff. Like they would have that for me more than my own family. And that's when I realized, I'm like, sometimes it's not that your family or your support system that you have right around you hates you or doesn't want you to succeed. They may not get it right away, but that's when you find your own support system, whether it's through your partner, whether it's through a group of friends, through a community center, or whether it's through people you meet at the doctor's office, or whether it's online, when you start posting, I have PCOS, who else has this? Can you, like, you know, that shared um, collective. And you start building your own support system and you freaking stick with that because that makes or breaks your mindset too. Um, I was blessed enough to have found community within my yoga studio that I used to work at. Um, I had friends that already like were the push and the drive that I needed. Um, they've helped me through a lot of things. So I was blessed with that. But if you're someone that doesn't have any of those things, go online, tune into podcasts like this one, like Lorenzo's podcast is so freaking informative. Like I actually like get excited every time you put out an episode. Um, uh, there's so, well, yeah. amazing too, but I mean, it's true that there really is no excuse now. Um, I mean, maybe a hundred years ago it would have been yeah. tougher, but now we have all the resources and I think it's really important to not isolate yourself because yep you just go into that, you know, downward spiral and depression and all that. And it can be really hard to get out of it. And it can yeah. be hard to go out and meet people. But yeah, even if you have to go online or, you know, force yourself to go to a meeting or just meet up with people yeah. uh, who get it, that's going to make a huge difference. Because yeah, for me too, the nutrition is a totally foundational piece to healing PCOS. Yeah, but absolutely. if you don't have the mindset and the emotional, you know, well-being and all of that, then you're not going to be able to really make a breakthrough. Absolutely. And, you know, like at that time, this was, I think this was the time that Alyssa VT released her book, The Woman Code. Mm -hmm. um, I, through my search online, I came across Melissa Ramos and I came across her. Those were the only two women that I knew were doing PCOS work here within Canada. Um, they came up in my search at that time, like this is 2012. 
And she hadn't even released Woman Code. It was on pre-order. I'm like, I read her story and I'm like, oh my God, someone gets this. Someone understands it. You know, like, yes, I have the support of my partner. Yes, I have the support of my friends and they're there for me, mm-hmm. but they're not in my body. They're not going through the hair growth. They're not going through the discomfort and the bloating issues and the unhealthy gut and like all of those things. They're not going through that, right? So for me at that time, I was like, oh, if I could just find someone else that has gone through this and come out on the other side, amazing. Like I have dog-eared Alyssa Vitti's book. <laughs> it's like my bible almost for women's health oh my gosh and I just kept diving down the rabbit hole since then so it's true though like finding people obviously you know who can support you is important but when you find a tribe of PCOS women who are you know on the same page as you and everything it is very different because they've been through what most of what you've been through yep yep absolutely so in a nutshell, get out there. We're in a we're in a very technologically savvy world. There literally is no excuse. If you don't like the tribe you have, move on and find a new one. Create your own tribe. Start spreading the awareness. That's quite frankly how I started because I was so angry at people asking me, well, why can't you lose the weight? Oh, why do you have to go to ho- go home early? Oh, why can't you party so late? Oh, why can't you eat this? Or why can't you do that? And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm not about to apologize for my lifestyle. Um, bye-bye. <laughs> Like that's it. I can 100% relate, especially with like so. the going home early. Yeah, like I will. I used to walk home from healthy? clubs. Like <laughs> I would walk home. Like I'd get there in an hour, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm going home. I can't do this." <laughs> so. Yeah, no. Like uh, my sleep, my ritual, my routine is so sacred to me. Like sometimes if I'm going out, which is really rare, but if yeah. I get like five hours or less for whatever reason, the next day is hell for me. Like I cannot function. Like I need to have my eight hours of sleep and my like balanced meals and my stress reduction and if I don't keep that up then I can feel it 100% oh yeah PCOS for me is like a call to know when I'm not in alignment with myself be this through the choices of jobs that I take um, projects that I work on um, people that I surround myself with like my symptoms flare the freaking hell up and over the years I'm like you know what I love you PCOS thank you for showing me Um, what I want and don't want in my life. The last seven or eight years have literally been an unfurling and unlearning of everything that I thought to be true and a discovery of coming back home to myself. You know, coming back home to that girl that I killed off when I started playing to everyone else's agendas because that's what we're taught to do. We're groomed to do that as women in society. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I've always been different. I've always been that person that didn't fit in with my family or with other people. And I knew that maybe this diagnosis was given to me for a better purpose to help other women, because this isn't a South Asian woman problem. I thought it was only Indian folk that had it. Right. Um, But I'm Indian by, uh, by heritage. Um, I thought it was only South Asian women, but it's not South Asian women. Every woman has it. Every household, this isn't every household issue. You know, but so often I found the dialogue blaming the woman, shaming the woman for her infertility, for her inability to be a mom or to do things. And so one of the things I deal with my clients is you are a woman and a human first, and then you're everything else. Get back to being you. Figure out what makes you happy. Figure out who you are. And out of that, if you get a pregnancy, amazing. That is a bonus because women are meant to create and nurture and do those things by default. Your body is meant to do that. 
but it won't do that when you don't know who you are and when you don't have that sense of self-worth and all of those things and like all the pieces align together so oh my goodness i'm obsessed with you (laughs) 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 oh where can we find you i know you're up to a lot of stuff i know that you're all over social media so how can we stalk you and become your friend (laughs) absolutely so i personally i love hanging out on instagram because i that's where I find a lot of friends and, you know, amazing inspirational accounts and, you know, change makers on there like yourself. Um, Instagram. So follow me on Hol- the holistic warrior life. Um, you can tune into my podcast. Again, the name is the same. <laughs> I will give you the link so you can put it in your show notes. They are there. Um, yes. Yep. And then Facebook, just go through Laurence's friends list and just add me. <laughs> I will put all the links in the show notes. So yeah. nobody has any excuse not to contact you. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. I literally think we could talk for another three hours. I know, I know. Cut it off soon because people cannot, they don't have attention spans this I know. anymore. I don't either, but. I know, but I'll I admit that I had a girl crush on you. Like when I, when you, we first met each other, like I think a year or two years ago when you messaged me about, you know, the whole PCOS thing. I think it was an Angie Lee's group. I'm not sure, but yeah, really? it probably was. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, there's other women that are doing this. Thank God. I'm not the only one. Thank God. Oh, you're yeah. adorable, but I'm yeah. so glad we met, and I definitely think we will be working together in of the future course. to spread this whole awareness thing. So thank you so much for coming on and for chatting with me. Thank I you. I always have a lovely time with you, so thank you. Thank you, Laurence. Bye.